Hi, welcome back to Till Death Do Us podcast, a podcast about marriage, murder, with the Murrays. I'm Michelle Murray. I'm Matt Murray. <laughs> Why did you sigh there so know. much? I don't know. You're like, marriage, ugh. <laughs> murder, ugh. with the Murrays. Try to keep it fresh. Okay. That's a good intro. Yeah. You want to keep it sound bitey? I just... Uh, as much as I appreciate consistency, sometimes, you know, I like to spice it up a little bit, like to keep it lively, you know? So you're spicing it up with sounding slightly disappointed about recording (laughs) the podcast. I guess I didn't think of it like that. (laughs) Good job. Sometimes I just think I sound like too peppy. I said that before. But I just sound so like, you have a, hi, I'm Michelle. (laughs) You do not sound like that. That is not what you sound like. Yes, I do. No. You have like a, like, what's her name? Said you have like a nice teaching voice. You have a good reading voice. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Why did that not sound legitimate? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, God. How are you? I'm particularly tired today. I don't know why. Yeah, I think it's the weather. Yeah, I was going to say, I think maybe like the rain is really starting to get to me. Yeah, well, because it's not even just like a little bit of rain. It's like torrential downpour. Yeah, really. And it's been like that for like three days. Yeah. I'm dying. How about you? How you doing? I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Good. Good. Monday. Yeah, always. Nothing exciting. Yeah. Well, what do we get? (laughs) We're boring. Mm. All right. You want uh, you want some advice? Let's do it. All right. So, I asked listeners again. Okay. Because you guys are really good at this. So, go ahead. Do your thing. This is How Not to Murder Each Other with the listeners of Till Death Do Us Podcast and questions from Steve. <laughs> That's like a new segment within a segment. <laughs> <laughs> so Brianna says, touch each other's butts. <laughs> oh, that's easy. That's an easy one. I thought that was a good one. Wait, did you post? I thought you didn't post. Uh, so I actually um, found this group called And That's Why We Podcast, and which is kind of like a spinoff group of And That's Why We Drink. And it's for fans of the True Crime podcast, and that's why we drink, that have their own podcast. Oh, I see. Yeah. So I posted in that. Interesting. So hopefully these people that I'm mentioning are now fans of our podcast. Cool. (laughs) So, yeah. Touch each other's butts. Sure. Super easy. Taylor says, get used to saying my feelings got hurt when, and also I'm sorry. It seems so simple, but admitting you're hurt is a lot harder than being mad. Yeah, I agree with that. Which, like, is really hard to do. Yeah. I'm never yeah. like, you did this and it upset me. I feel like you used to not do that. Like, way back when we first started dating. But I do feel like now, generally, when we come to, like, the conclusions as to why we're mad at each other or, like, when you get sad, like, you'll be like, well, it really hurt my feelings when you, like, said this or whatever. I do that? You do. I'm so mature. You... <laughs> <laughs> We've grown a lot together. (laughs) (laughs) And and then she also says, 
which I think is great. She says to have a code word for when you're at gatherings together and you're ready to leave. Oh, that's a great one. Right? Holy shit. Why have we never thought of that before? I don't know. That's such a good idea. I know. We can't say it now. Oh, we can't say it on the podcast, but like no. we're going to come up with one now. That's such a good idea. I know. Wow. She's smart. That is really smart. Like we have, we hey, definitely banana have pancakes, a, huh? <laughs> we definitely have like a look. Yeah. Like I can tell if we're hanging out somewhere and you're like done. Yeah. I like see it in your face and start to hear it in your tone. When was the last time that that happened? <laughs> we don't go anywhere anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. But like I'm just saying, I didn't know that that happens to me. Oh yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You don't think you give me like a look, like a. What was that? The, the listeners can't see what you're doing right now. I know, now. but you can see what I'm doing. I can. It's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it's kind of like it's it's like suggestive, but not in like a, I want to leave way. <laughs> it's like a, I'm gonna kill these people yeah. if we don't leave kind of <laughs> way. Uh, I didn't know I did that. Oh yeah, for sure. Good but enough. So you, but yeah, we should come up with a code word. Yeah. That's a great idea. I know. Wow. I thought it was a really good one. Who? How have we not thought of that? I am not sure. How many people... I want to know how many people have code words for when they need to leave. Is that like a normal thing? I don't know. Well, that's what I want to know. Yeah. Do you have a code word? Anybody? Listeners? Yeah. Tell us. Tell me if you have a code word to do things. That's a great idea. And I, I don't think it could be like something random. Like another... Another person posted underneath it, and they were like, yeah, my code word between me and my husband is mushroom, because we both think they're gross. And I was like, how do you work that in the conversation? Like, I feel like it has to be something. You just walk walk by, like, (laughs) you're at, like, a party, you're talking to, like, separate groups of people, and all of a sudden, like, your wife walks by, she's like, mushrooms. (laughs) Everybody's like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, but then that's noticeable. Right. So don't you think it would need to be a word that you can like casually work into conversation? Hey, babe, I got to take a boomer. (laughs) (laughs) We'll work on it. Yeah, okay. Let's workshop that. Yeah, okay. We're going to workshop it. (laughs) We have to find places to practice that, see which word works best for us. (laughs) Yeah, I think I left the keys in the car. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then they'll be like, man, he never came back. (laughs) They must have, like, really left the keys in the car. <laughs> Did they leave it in the other car? Yeah. What car? <laughs> At home? You ready for Steve's question? Always. Have you guys ever done those mail-order mystery games? Yes. Escape room? Yep. What is some advice for couples who, let's just say, don't solve well together? You guys don't belong together. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so we actually do have a subscription box to Hunt a Killer that we have not been very good at doing. We literally have like four boxes of it. And yeah, but the first one, me and you figured out in like 15 minutes. And with Gavin. We did it with Gavin. Yes, we did. He's good at shit like that. He is. I don't know if that one is his jam. Yeah. I don't think um, he wasn't particularly, I think there's too much information for him to intake at one time. Yeah. It's reading a lot. But I think that also that's his, there's escape rooms. There's also a lot of information to take in at once. Yeah. It's kind of difficult. Yeah. You know what I mean, I think if he's given a, 
like in like a thriller movie, if he's given like a constant stream oh of my information, God, he's, so good at shit like he's that. really good at figuring that stuff out. If any of you guys have seen Knives Out, uh, the movie with like Daniel Craig, great cast, uh, hilarious movie. Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, it's a couple other people in it. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, Gavin guessed that like halfway through, and me Not and Michelle, even. we were both like, "There's no way it's that. No way." And fucking, he turned out to be right. Yeah. So, like, he's really good at figuring stuff like that out. But, like, escape rooms and stuff, I think he gets very frustrated. Yeah. Well, he t- he's done very well at Bodeborg. Yeah. Bodeborg is, like, microcosms. Yeah. It's really good. Well, so... Um, bite-sized amount of an escape room. Yeah. So, uh, I, th- I think that goes to my response to that question, is, like, I don't know how well we would work together solving things like this had we not gone to Bodeborg. The first, like, our first date? So... It was my birthday, and we had only been dating for, like, three or four months. It was my birthday, and we went with all my friends. And, um, spoiler alert, don't listen to this if you're going to go to Bodeborg and are upset that I tell you how to solve one of the rooms. <laughs> but, but so Matt and I went into the haunted house room, and the first room is, like, these... No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. What? Go back. What? Okay. We didn't go into the haunted house room first. <laughs> Okay. Okay, so me and my friend, Brittany, and I think Emily. It was Brittany, Emily, and Tracy. You guys all went in. Uh, You went in like two or three times, and you couldn't figure it out. And me, Christian, and Gavin were all doing the... Gavin wasn't there. Yeah, he was. No, he wasn't. Well, then it was... No, you're right. It was me and Christian. Yeah. So then Brenna, Brenna was there, too. Yeah. We were doing the tough, tough, tougher. It was Matt. Christian, Matt, and me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they we, don't care. It doesn't matter. But so we were doing Tough, Tough, Tougher, which is like a climby one, which is really fun. And then you, I came out and you were like, Matt, come in and try this. Well, yeah, because we were like really mad that we couldn't figure it out. And like we were like slamming these chains on the walls and like pulling them. And it was ridiculous. And um, so Matt comes in and tries with us and just does it like so easy so nonchalant and like literally grabs one of the metal chains and is like Michelle grab the other one and then I grab it and then he's just like and hold my hand and I'm like what I'm gonna hold your hand like what and then I hold his hand and it was um the electricity through us that like opened the door to the next room yeah so it was like and since that moment I was like I'm gonna trust you forever (laughs) So you, like, walk into a room and there's, like, a bunch of animals in, like, plexiglass and they kind of, like, light up. And then around that room, there's a bunch of animals. It's a bat, a spider, and... Yeah, there's, like, a bunch of symbols, not a bunch of animals. Yeah. And a bunch of chains. And so it's just low-voltage electricity that goes through them and they couldn't figure it out. And because I play too many video games, I figured it out immediately. It was so smart. Yeah. But so when he does have ideas in like escape rooms or or stuff like that, I'm always I I always trust that he probably knows better than I do. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we do pretty well together though. Like board games and stuff like that. Like uh, Heads Up or uh, Pictionary. We've always done pretty well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I think 
if you don't click in that way, it's probably okay, but like I feel like most of the time after a while you probably should click in that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just kind of not necessarily knowing your partner, but a little bit, you know, in in a way, like knowing their vibe and kind of understanding what they're kind of putting out. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But uh I don't know, advice, I guess you got to learn to listen to each other a little bit. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, um, like I was right in that case that we needed to grab the things. And sometimes Michelle is right when we do stuff in... There was that dentist zombie one where you got, like, most of the stuff that we did with... Uh, that was a bad one, though. It was terrible, but we figured a bunch of it out. Yeah, it wasn't a good one. It wasn't very good. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, f- I feel like just listen to each other and... Those are actually really great for building bonds and everything. Like, escape rooms are fun as hell. Uh, oh my god, I love them so much. Yeah, we beat one with a bunch of our friends. Um, like, an actual one. We did it in, like, 45 minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. We're one for three in, like, official... Um, but the we won't count the shitty mall one. So we're actually one for two. Or 50%. That's not true. How's that not true? Because we did the one with your sister, too, and we didn't beat that one. That's the two. Oh, so we've done three, we lost two, beat one? We've done three, but the mall one doesn't count because it was so shitty. Oh. So I've done four because I did that one. Me and Gavin did the one in the mall. But that one was good. Right. And remember, that's why I was like, let's go back. And then that one sucked. Yeah. We'll have to go do one again soon because I love those things. Yeah. Yeah, it's good time. Life's not open yet. I know, that's true. Yeah. Right. But I think the best place is the one in Woburn. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, hope we answered that question for you, Steve. Mm-hmm. Keep also, them coming. Yeah, also play board games with play board games with your significant other. That I actually was someone else's um, tip. Really? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go close it. I thought I you closed it before we started. <laughs> it's raining a lot outside, but it's nice to have our windows open. Well, I closed the other one. Oh. Because there was a guy talking outside. All right. Okay. We're so professional over uh, here. I know. This is, we're like the, it's the wackiest episode today. <laughs> Fucking chair handles are falling off. I don't know what's going on. All right. You ready to take it down a notch? I'm ready to take it down a notch. Are you? I'm pretty ready. So last week was rough, guys. I know that was a tough one. So, I did a very tame one this week, I think. It's more tame than other ones. I don't know. Sure. All right. So, I got a lot of my sources from Murderpedia, Wikipedia, (laughs) MyCentralJersey.com, NewYorkPost.com, an ID docuseries, Deadly Affairs, an episode of the podcast Forensic Tales. And then there's actually a podcast called uh, Direct Appeal, which I started listening to, but it's like a 14-part series, so it's like a podcast that's like just on this one topic. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can get all the way through I just discovered it today, so I obviously didn't listen to 14 episodes. I would hope not. (laughs) So um, that actually sounds, it actually looks really good. I'm going to continue it. So today we are discussing the murder of William McGuire. Did you see that TikTok video about the teenagers that found a suitcase? 
Yes. So, Down by like a lake or something or yeah. a river. Yeah. And in West, it was in West Seattle. Yeah. And there was actually a body in it. Yes. So that is what brought me to this case. Oh, boy. On May is 5th. a brief case? <laughs> Your dad jokes are getting better. <laughs> I think, Ma- I think they're getting worse. Sorry. Go ahead. Go. On May 4th, 2004, a man out boating near the fourth island of the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel in Virginia spots a suitcase floating in the water. Being curious and excited that perhaps it's filled with something good, he decides to pull the suitcase on board and open it up. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. That's the worst. Yeah. Imagine. Can you imagine being like, oh, my God, maybe I found money. Yeah, maybe it's treasure. No. It's not. Yeah. Inside, he finds, wrapped carefully in black plastic trash bags, two male human legs sawed off at the knees. Just the legs. Just the legs. Just the legs. Okay. On May 11th, six days after that suitcase was found, a graduate student conducting research in the area known as Fisherman's Island discovered a second suitcase floating in the bay. And inside that suitcase held the torso of a man with his head still attached, but missing his arms and obviously his legs. Now that investigators had more body parts of the victim, they were able to determine that he was a white male between the ages of 25 to 35 years old with a short military style haircut. They could tell that he had been shot two times in the torso, once in the chest and once in the forehead. The suitcase also contained a hospital blanket that was wrapped around the victim's head and two thirty-eight caliber bullets. Five days later, on May 16th, a third suitcase was found, which contained the arms and hands of the victim. After DNA results were completed, it was confirmed that all of the body parts belonged to one person. Mm. Investigators struggled to find the identity of this man. Because the head and the face had been submerged in water for so long... They were practically unrecognizable. Oh, wow. Investigators call in a forensic sketch artist in hopes that it may help ID the victim. The artist was able to form a fairly basic sketch based on his gender, age, and race, but other than that, there wasn't much else that could be done. That seems entirely useless. Right. Like it's just a generic white dude. Yeah. Hey, Drew. Exactly. Yeah. They didn't do like dental records or anything? What are you going to compare it to? Right. Like, dental records are, like, to compare. What about fingerprints? Well, I'm sure they ran all of this yeah, through. Right, like, they ran his DNA and stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, the sketch actually works. <laughs> 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 he was a straight-up generic white man. Okay. <laughs> and the investi- <laughs> investigators get a tip, the tip that they were hoping for. A person calls in saying that they believe the body belonged to their friend, Bill. Fingerprint comparison proved this to be fact. There you go. The body was that of William William McGuire. While releasing information to the public, they did conclude that the body was dismembered with surgical precision. Precision. (laughs) Cutting up a human body is super hard. It requires a serious skill level. It got investigators thinking that perhaps the person who committed the murder may work in some form of the medical field. All right, back to William McGuire. He was born September 21st, 1964 in Bronx, New York. He was a U.S. Navy veteran and a computer programmer. 
He was a married father of two young sons currently living in Woodbridge, New Jersey with his wife, Melanie. Melanie was born Melanie Slate on October 8, 1972 in Middletown, New Jersey. I literally couldn't find anything on their childhood. Like, I, nothing. I tried. <laughs> that, that, like, Middleton or Middletown, they'd, like, yell at you for how you said it. Really? Yeah, like a, like a Gloucester. From around but here. if it was Middleton, there wouldn't be a W. You would think that. But that's what our Middleton is. I, but is, uh, is everything here America? <laughs> <laughs> well, if somebody from Middletown, New Jersey... <laughs> get at me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, anyways, I really couldn't find, like, anything on their childhood or their upbringing. Like, nothing. Sure. Um, and I couldn't even find their wedding date. But they were married in 1999. That was all I could find. So Melanie was a nurse at a local fertility clinic. During their initial interviews with Melanie, they learned that Bill had been missing for four weeks before his body was discovered and that she had never reported him missing. Hmm. Hmm. That's suspicious. Yes. According to her, the last night she saw him, they had gotten into a huge argument that turned physical. She claims that Bill pushed her up against the bathroom wall, slapped her in the face, and stuffed a dryer sheet in her mouth. She says that he told her that he was done and that he was leaving for good, and he stormed out of the house at 2.30 a.m., and that that is why she never filed a missing persons report. Because he was like, I'm done, and left, and she was like, okay, bye. Yeah, but so you're like, you're just going to be okay with no contact for three weeks after that? Right, four weeks. Four weeks? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. If we got in a fight and you left and we're done, I think if I didn't hear from you in like eight hours, I would be like, where are you? <laughs> he was like, you know what I'm going to do? And then he shoved the dryer cleaner in her face and he was like, bounce. <laughs> <laughs> and then he took off. That was a really good one. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> All right. The day after the altercation, Melanie went to the courts and requested a protection order against Bill because she was supposedly afraid for her life. The police ask Melanie if she can think of anyone who may have wanted to hurt her husband, and she says that he has a gambling problem and he may have been able, unable to pay off a debt. According to other friends and family that they spoke to, this could not possibly be the case. Bill was in fact a gambler, but he was well known for being very disciplined with his bets and was not the reckless gambler that Melanie insinuated he was. He would basically only ever bet on a sure thing. He had actually won a $30,000 gamble only a few months before his murder. They begin to search for other possible suspects when they come upon a security video from the Flamingo Hotel in Atlantic Atlantic City, New Jersey, that showed Bill's 2002 Nissan Maxima being abandoned on April 30th. The vehicle looked as though it had been thoroughly cleaned. However, in the glove compartment of the car, police discovered a small syringe filled with an unknown pink substance. They still decided to vacuum the inside of the car, even though it looked like it had been cleaned, Mm -hmm. in hopes of collecting more evidence. Luckily, they did this because they found tiny pieces of human flesh, known by forensic scientists as human sawdust, (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
It's microscopic. Is that from, wait, is that from the chopping up of the body? Uh-huh. Oh. Yep. Oh, it's bone dust. It's microscopic pieces of our skin and flesh and bone that is left behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Human sawdust. Human sawdust. This was just all circumstantial evidence. They it's, had like a, it's a shitty local metal band that is just... Human never... sawdust? <laughs> yeah. We are human sawdust, and we're here to, like, fucking rock and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is all circumstantial evidence, so they have to keep searching. They soon learned that two days before her husband's disappearance, Melanie had bought a thirty-eight caliber handgun. Which, ironically, is the same gun used to kill Bill. Melanie's reasoning for this purchase was that Bill had told her to buy the gun so that she could have it for protection. They were soon moving into their first home together that they had actually just closed on the day before Bill was last seen alive. Wow. And he wanted to make sure that they would be safe. Just as they began to doubt that a kind mother of two was actually capable of committing such a heinous crime, they learn about... In the fair? Yes. Were you waiting for me to say it? I was. Okay. <laughs> it's always affairs. Dr. Bradley Miller and Melanie were co-workers at the fertility clinic. At this point, the relationship between them had been going on for over two years. Wow. The police decided to not tell Melanie that they knew about the affair. They were concerned, based on the syringe that was found in Bill's car, that he may be involved, because he was a doctor. Right. That makes sense. A chemical test revealed that the substance inside the syringe was chloral hydrate, which is a sedative that is administered to a patient before they go into surgery, hmm. which is not something you'd find at a fertility clinic. Yeah, but I mean, he's a doctor, so he probably can just has access to that kind of stuff. True. Yeah. Investigators soon learned that a prescription for the chloral hydrate was filled by Dr. Bradley Miller at a Walgreens on the same exact day that Bill McGuire was seen alive. This Walgreens was also only one mile from the Kinder Castle Daycare Center, which is where Melanie would drop her two sons off every morning. Man, they just this is like the easiest trail of shit to follow uh-huh. that I think we've ever talked about. Pretty close. Uh, oh, that one guy that hacking. Just, yeah, he just thought he got away with everything. But... Yeah, Lori Hacking. I don't remember her husband's name that murdered her. Yeah. I don't but remember. he was stupid. Yeah, he just thought he was one step ahead of the law all the time, but yeah. actually was, set, like, the guy that tried to pretend he was crazy by walking around the street naked and shit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Lori Hackling. Um, so, Bradley does admit to the affair, but he says that he never wrote a prescription for any chloral hydrate, and to get the police to believe him, he agrees to start wearing a wire to record any phone calls that he and Melanie have. Bradley does his best at trying to get Melanie to open up, but she seems to have become suspicious. Thankfully, she does make one tiny mistake. On one of the phone conversations, Melanie admits that she was the one who parked Bill's car at the Flamingo Hotel after his disappearance. This is a huge piece of evidence because it proves that the human sawdust that was found within the car was obviously tracked there by Melanie. Right. Investigators now determine that they have their prime suspect and that they need to do everything they can to find more solid evidence against Melanie. After looking through the home computer, they find searches for undetectable poisons and 
How to commit a murder. Wow. They also find that on the day that Bill was last seen, Melanie dropped her kids at her parents' house and spent three nights at the Red Roof Inn in Edison. This lady, also known as the stupid Google killer. (laughs) (laughs) They also discovered easy pass charges on her credit card driving through Delaware, which investigators assume is when she was driving to go dump the body. Mm Mm-hmm. Her and her father both tried to get those charges removed from the credit card before police got access to the, like, report, the card. Wait, so did her dad know that she did it? So, we don't know. There are some some speculation that he helped cover it up. What, like, she ran to him like, oh my god, I just fucking murdered him. Yeah. And her parents were like, we're your parents, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. But I there was only one article I read that said that they think that she had an accomplice. Well, even... I don't even know if I would consider that an accomplice, right? Like... An accessory? Yeah. I mean, by... Yeah, by association. But, like, I don't know, like, as a parent, like, what do you fucking do? What are you saying right now? Are you saying that you would cover for one of our kids if they murdered somebody? I don't know that I would, but, like, if you're... If Gavin came home and was like, oh my god, I just killed somebody, I'm so, I don't know what to do, like, I didn't mean to do it, you wouldn't be like, oh my god, what, what do we do? Like, you wouldn't freak out too? What I would mean, you do? I'd freak out. What would you do? I'd freak out, but I wouldn't be like, okay, let's go chop him up and put him in a suitcase. So you're going to call the cops and be like, come get my son? It. I think it depends on the situation. Does it? Yeah. All right. Like, is this self-defense? I don't know. I'm just saying, I think as a parent, sometimes you get caught in some sticky situations. Well, because this wasn't self-defense. Right. I don't know. I don't know. That's a hard call. Right. I'm not saying that it's the more We're going to have a lot to talk about on our date night on Friday. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like I can get way more in depth with this after a glass of wine. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I just don't think, I think like the morality that's attached to that mm-hmm. is a tough call. Right. Because it's your it's your kin. Right. Like, it's your son or your, it's like your blood. You know what I mean? Right. So, I don't know. That's like, you know, if like your best friend does something, you're like, uh, dude, what the fuck? But it's like your kid. Like, your kid's the fucked up one. Right. So, like, that looks bad on you, too. Right. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, we can talk about this more. But that, I don't know. I think that's a hard, that's a hard thing to do. Turn your own child in? That's really hard. Right. I can't imagine myself doing that. I don't know. I mean, I haven't been presented with the situation, but I can imagine that that is extremely difficult. Maybe I've just never had to put myself in that headspace because my children are great. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, That got real dark. I'm just saying. (laughs) And I lost my place. Okay, yeah, so the easy pass charges. So, like, yeah, her dad tried to call and get those removed, removed yeah. from the um, the card statement before the police got a hold of the credit card statement. So, Soon after Bill's disappearance, Melanie had decided to give all of his clothes and belongings to friends and family. She put all of those things in black plastic trash bags that just so happened to match the ones that Bill's body was put into before being shut into the suitcases. How dumb are you? Yeah. So, like, I think people think that you can't trace that, but, like, 
I mean, you know how when you rip a trash bag, they have those little, like, perforations? Yeah. Like, you can line them up. Sure. To show that it was pulled. Because it's not going to be all be the same. Right. They're not going to all be the same. I, I just, that's, come on. I know. She's not very smart. Yeah. On June 2nd, 2005, over a year after Bill's body was first found, Melanie was finally arrested at her home in Brick Township, New Jersey, and was charged with first-degree murder. That's how it's spelled, okay? Brickdenship. <laughs> her bail was set to $750,000, and she was able to post bail. And through her lawyer, she pleaded not guilty. Later that year, in October, she was charged with four additional counts, such as possession of a weapon for an unlawful purpose. Uh, I wrote decorating, but I meant <laughs> I meant desecrating human remains. <laughs> and perjury for the forged prescription. After reviewing her case, her bail was then increased to $2.1 million. Wow. Somehow, she was again able to post bail and was once again released from jail. Who's giving this lady money? I have no idea. Doctor man? Yeah, maybe. But he chose to wear a wire, so I felt like maybe he was done. Yeah, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Finally, on March 5th, 2007, the trial began. The forensic evidence was solid, and after a seven-week trial on April 23rd, Melanie McGuire was found guilty of first-degree murder. She was acquitted of two charges, including tampering with evidence and possession of Xanax without a prescription. Hmm. Part of the judge's statements read, The nature and the complexity of the scope of this criminal episode involved many, many overt actions committed over a three-week period spanning four different states and reflected a willfulness and a malice that goes far beyond the elements of the crime of murder. After her conviction and before her sentencing, Melanie filed for an appeal, but it was quickly thrown out. On July 17, 2007, at the age of 34, Melanie was sentenced to life in prison. Melanie currently serves her time at the Edna, Edna Mahan, Mahan Correctional Facility for Women in Clinton, New Jersey. She had filed multiple appeals, but her motions have all been denied. She still claims her innocence. How? I don't know. Yeah. Wow. That lady's not only crazy, but also really stupid. And she's described by people as, like, very intelligent. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe she's too smart for her own good. You know, she thinks mm. she's smarter than she is. Especially when it comes to that kind of stuff. Right. Like, oh, I could commit murder. I'm so smart. You Google how to murder somebody. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> So stupid. <laughs> like, did Not only know? did I Google how to murder somebody, but I also took this out of the library. Murder for dummies. <laughs> that's what she did. She, that's Pretty what much. she did. Like, I, I mean, I guess I really don't remember what 2004 was like, but I feel like we knew that stuff like that could be tracked. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. No, the that is very stupid. On Like, there's a lot of levels of dumb for her a ton of them yeah yeah wow that's it the end i can't imagine having to 
live after sawing up your significant other's body. I know. I can't imagine being like, imagine kids, though. Imagine how traumatizing that is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those kids, yeah. Yeah, I wonder how our kids are doing. Right. So, I mean, they were one and four, I think. Right. So. Just like all of a sudden, that four-year-old doesn't have a dad anymore. Right. Or and, mom. Mom went to jail. Right. But it's like, but it's not like, it's not like, oh yeah, like my parents got in a fight and you know, my mom like shot my dad out of self-defense. And dismembered him. Yeah. It's not that simple. It's like, no, literally like my mom cut up my dad and threw him in suitcases and threw him over the fucking Chesapeake Bay bridge. But like if you're, so like having a, a violent outburst, right? Like an impulsive violent outburst. Right. Where like, you know, she's in this crime of passion where she's like, I mean, she doesn't even really explain it, but like, obviously she wanted to get out of that marriage Mm -hmm. and be with this other dude. But like, I feel like once you like chopping up the body is such another level. Yes. So that's what it is. So like, I think that's where people fuck themselves is like, why would you not, if, if something like that happened, why would you not go and plead like, you know, temporary insanity due to rage or, like, crime of passion. Like, why would you not turn yourself in and yeah. get such a small sentence then thinking that you could fucking get away with it? Yeah, like, and now, it's not... It's, and now, like, your case is so much worse. Right. It's yeah. so much harder because you tried to cover it up and not only that, find like, out. Just the trauma of cutting up a human body. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like she's, like, a serial killer where, like, she has this insatiable bloodlust or impulse to do terrible things yeah like this was like a one-time event for her and like she dismembered an entire body of her it was her husband right like that's fucking that's gotta be like if you weren't crazy beforehand yeah you crazy now crazy now yeah they the um you know the prosecutor's she was claiming she was innocent, so the prosecutors were trying to, like, build the scene for the jury and stuff, and they were like, and then, you know, she put him in the bathtub and filled it with ice and drained his blood while the kids were, like, downstairs and blah, 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 and, like, who really knows if that's, like, that could have fucking happened. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's so we don't even know where she did all that. No. That's crazy. Because she's she's claiming she's innocent. innocent right. So she has And she's like still so she the pos, the podcast that I was talking about um earlier the direct appeal mm-hmm. so Melanie actually contacted these two women um because they're like in the criminal justice field and she was like hey I want you guys to interview me and you know put my story out there and the I wish I in, in I should have ho- written. I should have written her name down. It was like Amy. In hopes that at some point this will grant her an appeal for like new evidence. or I something? I think that's what her hope was. And you know, the host was like, "Listen, you might not like what I find. Like, what if I find you more guilty? Or you know, you don't know how this is gonna go." And Melanie was like, "I, I'm, I'm gonna take that chance." So like, she contacted contacted them and was like. Please get my story out there. And that's what this whole podcast is about. So the 14 episodes are like like tons of hours of interviews with her personally. That's weird. Yeah. That's really weird. I know. I'm excited to like listen to it all. Well, it's weird because like she's been very stupid the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so, or you assume she's been very stupid this whole time. I mean, like nobody Googles like... How do I how to murder, commit murder? Yeah, like 
That's not something that you Google. Like you just watch CSI. Yeah, right. <laughs> but like, I don't know. Is that like another dumb move or like, does she actually think she's innocent or like, did she black out and fucking doesn't remember any of it? Yeah. I don't know. You know, like she did. She filed an appeal once, um, claiming that there was like a CI in the prison that like knew for a fact that Bill was killed by like the mob or whatever. And the judge was like, this is the dumbest all thing nonsense. Yeah. So, like, he threw out that appeal. But, yeah, she's really claiming that, like, it wasn't her. Wow. Well, that was an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, it was a good episode. Definitely less brutal than last time. Yeah. Last week was rough. Yeah, that was a rough was one. Very rough. Um, so, as always, um, you know, you can find us. Uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where's your oh, toast? Oh, I didn't have a toast. That's right. Shit, I don't have a toast this week. What's your toast? Um, My toast was going to be to myself okay. again, which I know I've done before. But um, I'm almost in the 100s in my weight. Wow. And that's fucking crazy to me. That is pretty insane. So, um... I'm really, really proud of myself, and, um, yeah, I'm really proud of myself. Good for you. Thanks. I don't really know. I don't know if I have a cheers this week. Last week was pretty rough. I was exhausted the whole time. What? Oh, like the past week? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what my cheers would be, you know? Actually, you know what? Uh, my dad redid his third floor porch yeah to be uh like a bar kind of it's all waterproofed and weatherproofed and wooden and everything and it looks fucking awesome it's beautiful and it's gorgeous and i think uh there's this contractor he's had doing stuff around his house uh for probably close to a year now named edwin super good guy um you know and he's just you can tell he kind of like like my dad's the kind of guy where he'll like, if you do good work for him, mm-hmm. he'll show you, like, appreciation, not only just by, like, paying you, but, like, yeah. you know, like, you almost kind of become part of the family in a way. Like, yeah. he's just that kind of guy. And so, like, he's been letting Edwin, like, store tools under our back porch and stuff. And so Edwin actually did this as a surprise to him. Oh. Like, so he didn't even know what was happening. And Bev was like, hey, I want to turn the upstairs into this. And what if your dad didn't want that? He did. Okay. Come on. I mean, it looks super cool, but could you imagine? I know. But so she, like, kept having... Home renovations as a surprise are scary. Well, so she kept having him uh, be like, Gus, you really can't go upstairs. Like, we're working up there, and, like, we want to maintain, like, the social distancing, and, yeah. like, we want to make sure you don't get sick. And so, you know, I saw it the other day for the first time, and it's fucking so Yeah, cool. it was so nice. Um, I can't wait to go see it. But, yeah, so my cheers actually isn't to the bar itself, but to that guy, Edwin. Oh, yeah. cool. He's a good dude. That's and awesome. He's been doing a lot of good work for my dad, and um, I think having somebody like that around yeah. right now for my dad is There are good. good people out there still. There are. It's true. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cheers. Cheers. All right, so now I'll start. Yeah, but we also have reviews. We have a review? Yeah, we got two. Oh, my God. I know. So, Awkward Mary wrote, I love this podcast. I'm a true crime junkie, and this podcast does not disappoint. 
Not only do they give an awesome recount of a specific crime, they also give marriage advice and a toast. These two aspects of the podcast really help sandwich the story of the crime, which can leave you feeling a little down, but with anecdotes and uplifting messages. Love, love, love. Nice. Yeah, thank you, Mary. That was a great one. And DJ Alvarez wrote, such a great podcast and so many interesting stories being told. Keep it up. So much fun to hear you guys. Awesome. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> you guys are the best. It's the greatest. We still love getting the reviews. Uh, like, even if we know who you are. Yeah. Uh, it feels super cool for, I don't know, the support is just awesome. It really is. Yeah. It really is. And, you know, we thank all of you and we think it's super cool that all these people that we don't know are listening to our podcast, but we also don't mention as much how cool it is that our friends and family mm-hmm. continue to support us through all this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, you don't even understand how much it means to us. Yeah, it does. It really does. Well, all right. So now, now, now you can go. Okay. So, um, like always, you can find us on all the major podcasting networks. Actually, my friend Dave told me that, we're on one called Pocket Casts also that I had no idea we were even on. We're also on CastBox. And CastBox. Uh, I didn't know that either until mm-hmm. right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, all the major uh, you know, podcast streaming networks, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, all that fun stuff, like I always say. Um, if you can rate and subscribe, that would be super cool. Like we've done in the past, we will read on air if you give us a review because we think it's super cool that people do that. Um you can go to our Facebook group and come hang out. We post stuff there every once in a while, and you're more than welcome to post some stuff there and get some discussion started. Speaking of our Facebook group, um, what we did for our 10th episode was we picked a serial killer. Yeah. And, well, we picked four serial killers, and the audience, listeners, you guys, got to choose which one we covered. So I want to do that again for the 20th episode. Which were it's two this episodes is, away? Yeah, this is the 18th. 18th, right. So, um... Yeah, instead of doing, like, a, a marriage-related case. Um, we'll do one of the big ones. Yeah, we'll do, like, a well-known serial killer. Do a deep dive. Oh, boy. So join our Facebook group if you want to be involved in the poll. Those are my favorite because that's where I actually have knowledge yeah. of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, do that. Uh, we'll be putting that out sometime within the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so check that out in the Facebook group. You can email us at Till Death Do Us Podcast at gmail.com you can hang out and check out our instagram which michelle is going to be better God, about posting i'm so bad on. at instagram um i was really good at it when i could use pictures of um yeah i know it's, it's tough not doing that yeah yeah well we can we can figure other stuff out too yeah you know gonna, i should probably go learn like copyright laws and shit <laughs> we can look it up uh but also you know we we do have the patreon going uh we know there's a lot of craziness in the world right now um so keep keep donating and and giving to those causes that you believe in um you know when we don't know when really the time is right it's kind of weird to ask for money but we hope you guys like what we listen to and if you want to support us and support this growing um you know we have a bunch of different tiers over on our patreon uh, and I would love to eventually get a new microphone. Yeah, a new mic would be great. Uh, and you can find that over at patreon.com slash till death to us podcast. We also do have merch, which I promise at some point I will update. Uh, I know somebody had requested a hat. Um, and you can find that at 
teespring.com slash stores slash till death do us podcast. Do it. Do it. <laughs> what is that? What are we like? Represent. Eighth? What is it? Eighth? What is that? <laughs> this is like 1997. You'll represent. I wear my Till Death Do Us podcast shirt every time. I actually do too. It's just when like, I'm not at work, n- I'm in my shirt. Nobody else has asked me about what it is though. <gasps> have you gotten really? questions? Have you gotten? You're so aghast. You're so taken back by that. I am. Have you been at? I mean, it's I mean, not, not like strangers. This- well, but like I went out for a walk with like Becky and Diana the other day and they were like, oh my God, love your shirt. And I was like, oh my God, you should buy one. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe we should put like Till Death to Us podcast on the back with like some links or something. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Anyway, we do have merch. So if you'd like to buy some, feel free. If you have suggestions for merch that you would like, mm-hmm. feel free to let us know. Um, you know. I'm trying to up my design game again, so you know I'll hopefully be making some more stuff soon. Um, but yeah, I think that's that is about it. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this story, and I just want to remind you, as always, hey, don't murder each other. <laughs>